to the sports plug i am your host xavier williams unfortunately today we don't have jordan briggs my co-host but today i finally get to say return of the mac yes sir <laughs> welcome back mackie mcknight i appreciate appreciate you, appreciate you coming back on the show uh today we will be discussing episode nine and ten of the last dance um Let's get right into it. Uh, how'd you feel about episode nine and ten, my friend? I, I liked it a lot. Um, I actually didn't watch it last night. I watched it right before I came over here. Uh, Shout out to on demand. Yeah, absolutely, man. Saving my life, but uh, <laughs> it was good. I still had the chills watching it and um, all the storylines that they uh, touched on. Um, just keep, keeping us informed and uh, keeping that like that scratching that basketball itch. Still, it was amazing to me. How about you, though? I did the same. I didn't get to, ch to check it out right when it came out, but I, I watched episode nine last night and episode 10 this morning. Okay. Um, I think, to be honest with you, nine and 10 wasn't as good as seven and eight. I, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. I was, I think I was hoping for even more. Like, yeah. like I don't, I don't know. I guess that crescendo, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of a, a beautiful, a beautiful orchestra, you know, orchestrated uh musical performance i was waiting for that last yeah, but i guess you didn't I, get I that didn't get it but it was I, I think it was still a great documentary mm -hmm. from one to ten but um i guess i guess nine to ten just didn't do it for me so you would you have rather it ended with like the seven and eight type of vibe honestly yes yeah okay I, I can honestly see that. yes but nine and ten wasn't bad i just I, I don't know. I just I think it was seven and eight. If it would have ended at seven and eight, I wouldn't have been mad. So you would have called it like ghost status if it was like ended like on seven and eight. Again, man, the way the way it gave me some chills. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It, it easily could have probably won an Emmy or an Oscar or what you know, one of them beautiful awards that everybody gets for, for you know a a, a a production that you put on like yeah. that. I definitely felt the chills and like that emotion on I think it was the end of episode seven a lot when he was talking about like his competitive drive yes. and yes. when he touched base on his father and Father's Day and things like that that really had me going but even like this episode nine when Steve Kerr talked about it I feel like it still had that type of emotion and then the last shot which that still was mm -hmm. big to me with episode 10 and everything no I definitely agree and of course we'll definitely get into that a little mm -hmm. bit later on uh first things first Reggie Miller versus mm. Black Jesus mm. I Reg love that. Reggie Miller, that's what he <laughs> referred Michael Jordan to. Uh, to If you haven't watched episode nine yet, he referred Michael Jordan to Black Jesus and whatnot. And and uh, how'd you feel about that play out? Uh, that was cool. He called him, I never called him Michael Jordan again. I called him Black Cat, Black yeah. Jesus. Yeah, or... get that Black Cat out of here. <laughs> I like that. That was pretty cool. And I like that, that whole battle sequence and how they went to game seven. Because, I mean, I think I said it last time. People always said that, oh, Jordan never went to a game seven yes, in the, in the and finals. Blah, blah, blah. But they, yes. they were talking about the finals. Yes. But to see him go into a game seven in the Eastern Conference finals and how that dialogue played out. And I especially love Jalen Rose. Like when he talks, he's he's so good at like great storytelling. Story yeah, great he story is. Telling. He, just, yes. he makes me feel like you were there. Yes. And I, I love that. That was yes. that was real, real cool. And like I was still rooting for the Pacers watching it. Like, oh, something's gonna change. But of course, nothing changed. But <laughs> and also the Pacers remember they weren't there just for that run. They were oh. they came back again and yeah. went to the finals and lost to the, the Lakers mm -hmm. with Kobe and Shaq. So that was a good Pacers team. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess towards the end of the the rows for some guys like Mark Jackson mm -hmm. and the Smith and the, some of the you know the the, the uh, Davis brothers, mm -hmm. those guys were kind of end of their careers. But as a collective team, that was a really good team. And like Michael Jordan said. He felt like that was the newer version of the 
Detroit Pistons mm-hmm. of that later 90s of the East. Yeah, I like, I like how he said, every time I go on the floor and I come off, I have a new scratch, scratch or I'll be yeah. bleeding or something like that. You see him with the patch over his eye and stuff like that. Now, now you're a basketball player. Yeah. I know how y'all are when it comes to y'all get <laughs> scratched or y'all get something going on. Hey, it's personal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's personal. Because so. it's not football to us. Like We're not used yes. to getting bumps and bruises like that. Like Maybe to like your muscles, but not like obvious like scratches and stuff. So mm-hmm. we feel like it's a, you got to take it up a little notch once you see that. And I, and I definitely understand because um when you're playing in the in the in the playoffs especially in the eastern conference finals mm-hmm. like that everything is such a higher stage and there is no love loss especially with that matchup with reggie miller and black jesus they they, they showed a clip of them uh in the i want to say was a 90 i want to say 95 season or whatnot where mm-hmm. they went up against each other and they had a little scuffle mm-hmm. so i think with reggie miller he was definitely like i don't i know who you are but mm-hmm. i'm not going to let you intimidate me and pump and push me around because yeah. again if you know reggie miller his background He's cheryl miller yeah you know he was getting punked since he was a kid <laughs> by his older sister because she was one of the best if not the best college football, uh, college basketball, women's basketball players. So um, I, I think with Reggie, he was a, it was a really cool thing to see him be one of the, of like our generation people to, mm-hmm. to go up against Michael because, you know, those 80 guys, they, they went through him and couldn't beat him. Mm-hmm. You know, Reggie couldn't beat him either, but at least he, he took on that challenge. Yeah, for sure. But well, you caught a little scuffle, but MJ got him pretty good. He got, he, oh yeah. He got a nice little, he did. He, <laughs> he got did. a lot of that chin, but um, I like that battle. Would you, would you rank that battle like between Jordan and Reggie, like top five for, for Jordan? This high went to game seven. I know he went through the bird and the magic and stuff like that, but does, does well, Reggie on that cusp a little bit? Cause of how like, it went to a game seven to the Eastern Conference Finals and it was Jordan's last run. It all depends on who you are as a Jordan fan because right. some people will say, well, it's not fair because Jordan was older. You know, he wasn't right. in his prime. If it was in his prime, he would have, you know, dusted Reggie Miller. Right. Been a, okay. you know, it wouldn't have been a, a, a contest. But I, we can maybe say top five. You know, definitely Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. You know, you definitely Isaiah, of course. And, you know, a couple of the guys in the East, Magic, of course, in the West. But, yeah, Barry Bird, and maybe maybe five, maybe five, five six, six on the cusp, yeah, right? Because the there's cusp. too many other Hall of Famers. Exactly, on the list, right? But, but it was still good though. It was, no, it, it, was, it, it is. was deep. It was real deep. And and then of course the NBA trying to get away from that whole bad boys image thing. You couldn't really do yeah. too much. Yeah, you couldn't really do too <laughs> much. But also too, if you hey man, just, I'm not trying to go left field right now. But if you think about it, man, Indiana really did become our generation Pistons when it comes to what I mean by that is they had that Ron Ar- they were Ron Artest. Remember yeah. they had that Ron Artest and, um, and, uh, Jackson, Steven Jackson era mm-hmm. where they had Miles in the palace. Yeah, right. And they had a, a swagger to come into when they, when, when it comes to, we're going to do whatever we got to do to win the game, no matter what we're going to do. And if we got to come into the stands and beat y'all fans, so that's what we're going to do. So <laughs> true. So, very true, very yeah, true. so I, with the Pacers, it, it, it was kind of cool to see how they were in 98 and then also, you know, what they were now. And, and also to see how consistent the Pacers are as, mm-hmm. a, as a franchise, even though they aren't, you know, they unfortunately haven't won consistently. They are always in the mix of things. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that one because you could take it from, like like you said, Miles in the Palace days. You can move it a little bit further to uh, when Paul George and I was going to say before that, Danny Granger. Danny Granger, was Danny Granger days. And Hibbard and yep. George Hill. And, I mean, they took the, the uh, Heat, Heat team was, to a game seven. Exactly. So, so that, 
that was supposed to be they were supposed to be the next team mm-hmm. you know after the heat and again it just always seems like they were always there but just cannot get over the hump yeah they just couldn't but i mean they kept running into great players i mean you, you run want, into you run into jordan you run into kobe and shaq and you i, I was gonna say you, you <laughs> feel like they might be the blazers of the east oh that would be good yeah i think i think you could say that i think you could say that they're always yeah, in that mix and they always have some type of top tier talented team or, or, or like in terms of like young talent mm-hmm. or they find ways to keep talent there and they just fall short every single time. Right. But I mean, they're right there though. They're just a, a play away or a game away. I mean, what, two years ago, was it two years ago, three years ago, they went to game seven. Was it game seven with uh, LeBron and the Cavs yeah. Yeah. and they and put up a fight. Almost there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they, you have to put their organization, uh, give them a pat on the back and say they're doing a tremendous job by finding new talent, finding, and you want to know what's the main content, uh, co- main constant when it comes to why the Pacers are always in the thick of things? What's that? Larry Bird. He still, he still, um, have a job there. Well, when he's the G, well, of course, when he was the coach there, he was able to get him there. When he yeah. was the GM there before he left recently, right? He was like you said, he was able to still keep the Pacers in contention no matter who they had there, even right. when Danny Granger went down. He you got know, Paul I, George, right? Yeah. Oh wow, that's okay. what I'm saying. Like, even oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, that was the. They they uh that was the Kawhi Leonard trade right remember Kawhi Leonard used yeah. to be for Pacers was uh got traded I'm sorry got drafted by the Pacers mm-hmm. got traded to the Spurs mm-hmm. so who knows what would have happened to Kawhi Leonard would have been there with Paul George in the beginning who knew who knows, who knows so man. you know the, the the Larry Bird and the, and the Indian Pacers know how to draft talent and they know how to create a team mm-hmm. it just seems like again again they just need that one guy that can and who it was they thought it was Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. You know, again, they get guys. Mm-hmm. It's just—I mean, Sabonis you know. was an all-star this year as well, and Miles Turner, UT kid. Yeah. He, um, I mean, they so promise, and so all the depot just needs to come back healthy, and then maybe they'll have that little push. But we'll see. I, I like, I like that team. I, 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 you know, maybe we was thinking maybe it was this year. You know, maybe they can get some pieces going, especially in the East. But maybe it'll be next year when it comes to that. But anyways, on to our next question: If Michael Jordan makes that double clutch three pointer in Game Four. What would you rank that in MJ last second buzzer beater shots? Ooh, it's definitely top ten because he because the the degree of difficulty I believe from three ball he doesn't really shoot three balls to like game winners they usually like two pointers from the left yeah, like or like, low, yeah you know, right? that, that little 15, 18 footer but for the fact that it was a double clutch three pointer <laughs> in the in the setting it was in it, it definitely would have been top ten but I mean he damn near made it he, he damn near did it, it went halfway in and halfway out so yeah. I mean, I would definitely put it top ten. I mean, the push, the last shot was still a push off, so <laughs> it was no push off. He was a smooth catch. He just had a double pump, and it was over two guys. So I think he would have been top ten. How about what do you think? I mean, like you said, at least top eight. Yeah, I mean that's you know, of course we had the iconic, you know, some of the of his iconic shots. Of course, easy top five, but like you said, with the degree of difficulty, with the double pump. And you know the way that the, the stakes, mm-hmm. you know, just before they, you know, Reggie makes a a beautiful three three point shot mm-hmm. fading away, and on oh, Jordan, yeah. <laughs> so if Jordan was to come back and hit that shot on on, it was Reggie, right? That came and swiped. Yeah, out. I, I think it was Reggie. Reggie, and somebody else came yeah. late. And if you were able to make that shot, I mean. They already talk about the tall tales now, Jordan. Just yeah. imagine they would have made that shot. So. <laughs> I mean, he did, he dang near did make it though. So even when he, he missed it, I was like, dang. I mean, that's it's not, it's not a better shot you can ask for or a better chance. So that was that was that was miraculous. Best you hey, best you can get. Right there's, there's such thing as a good miss, and that was a good miss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree. All right, off to 
the Utah Jazz. Of course, in this episode, they kind of go back and forth from 90, 98 season to 97 season. If you Again, if you have watched this episode, so they touch on a little bit on the Utah Jazz, of course, when it comes to their fans, when it comes to um, just the atmosphere there. And, of course, a guy named Byron Russell. And if you watch the episode, of course, Byron Russell apparently is talking a little bit of trash when Michael comes in and do a little shoot around with John Stockton and Carl Malone. And again, if you watch, if you're watching the episode, you see after in the, in the Indiana uh, game or even in the Utah game, after they get done playing, no matter how hard fought the battle is at the end of the game, they dap each other up. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll see you next game. Right. I, I don't know right. how you feel about that, but I love that type of respect right there. Hey, it was, if, if the level of respect is there for the other opponent, then I, mean, I love it. I, I, I love there. it because at the end of the day, you could put on whatever showcase and dramatic performance you want on the court mm-hmm. and have everybody believe whatever it is if you hate each other love each other whatever it is mm-hmm. but behind the scenes if y'all sh- Carl Malone came into the bus and dapped everybody else after he lost I don't know about you but I would be hurt to be even thinking about going to somebody else's yeah. bus and be like hey man good game good game yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's a different type of man to be able to do yeah. that to put your pride aside and look yeah. at the opponent the person that just beat you in the eye and be like man good game thanks for it shattering my dreams and goals but <laughs> and there are some and you know you you play you know there's some guys that don't mind playing the game mm-hmm. and that are okay with not winning hey, I, don't, I don't understand that though but there are some guys that are like that they, they don't have to you know if if we don't win ah it's all good you know we can uh, move on you know it is what it is no. i'm not saying that you have to go into a corner and cry and be depressed for the next three months because of whatever but if i'm with somebody as a teammate, I need you to show some type of emotion because mm-hmm. especially professional wise, I know at the end of the day, I can get your butt out of here. Mm-hmm. If you had a type of power, you know, Michael, you know, the LeBron's, you know, these guys that have those type of power yeah. when it comes to, bro, I need you to be on this type of, this type of effort, energy, emotions, the same way I am because I'm putting my all out in it. And that's line. that's what Jordan was doing. He was making sure all his teammates felt the exact same way, like like you just said, that they felt the exact same way. If they didn't, if they just wanted a participation a participation award, like at the YMCA, this is not the team for you. This is exactly. not the setting for you. So that's what I mean. We kind of frown upon it. Some guys like it, some guys don't. The way he was leading, but that's what he was trying to instill, so everybody can get on that same page mentally. You know what I kind of think of it is from time to time. Hmm. It's that old head father yeah. that <laughs> that. At the time, you don't see it just, man, you're being so mean to me. Man, mm-hmm. you hate me. Man, you know, mm-hmm. why are you doing this to me? And then you look back on it, you look at the body of work and be like, man, look at what we accomplished. Mm-hmm. And you're look at how we it. changed the landscape of the NBA. Look at what we were able to do that no other team is able to have, have been able to do since. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is what makes everything become, you know, full circle. Yeah. That's, that's when you're able to sit back and say, you know what? It was all worth it, even though he he didn't. Even though Michael might not have been able to express his emotions a certain way, and, yeah. and that's why he had Phil. Yeah, that's why okay. Phil was able to help bring everybody together and show those emotions. Yeah, I mean, you're all you're a group, you're a whole team. Everybody's not strong points at leading one type of way. You got to have different types of leaders, and everybody pitch in. But like, let's go back right quick before you said about the Byron Russell thing and yes, Jordan, sir. how they yes, would sir. shake hands afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was like the beginning of like the the turning of the curve because guys was beefing so hard in the 80s and then as you can see with Barkley and Jordan they was kind of laughing a little bit during that first repeat and then like the second three P you also see like the respect level was there and then now look what it is now guys are working out together in the 
in the summer even more so even like pushing the envelope even further you think that was like part of it like, well it's funny okay it's funny you say all of that because we can kind of have another show for on that topic alone okay. because and i'm not saying and i'm not saying you know let's, let's let's not talk about it now what i'm saying is throughout the whole documentary from one to ten if you watch every episode what were things that jordan was doing while he was playing against the celtics mm-hmm. yeah. he went out and went and played golf yeah against the team that you know, at the time, the Celtics was the big bad wolf. Like mm-hmm. you don't even associate with these guys, Absolutely. unless you are a Celtic. So <laughs> for him to go out and go play golf mm-hmm. while they were going through a playoff, you know, a uh, series that has to raise a couple of eyebrows to the to our generation because all you hear from old heads all the yeah. time is we well, wouldn't do that when yeah, we was going. Exactly. Up. We didn't do all that, you know. Well, so how, somebody's, how lying. somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. <laughs> that's just how somebody lying, man. And it's no mind. way, it's no way that y'all as old heads can say we didn't do that, we wasn't gonna do that, da da da. But we got you got nothing yeah. but film of y'all Footage. going out and hanging out and drinking and doing mm-hmm. this and that. And yep. so I'm not saying it's wrong. What I'm trying to figure out is is it the media? Is it the media trying to stir up things that it trying to make it seem like it's it's wrong, but in reality, everybody's been doing it forever. Because I know football-wise, I know football-wise, when it comes to position you usually stick with your position you work out with your position groups yeah and you work out with guys all around the league Mm -hmm. so in nba maybe it was like the ego things maybe it was like if you're a superstar you're not supposed to work out with other superstars yeah maybe it was you're only supposed to work out with your team but again they they debunk that when it comes to you know you you in game five of eastern conference finals and you smoking a cigar and playing golf you know because you michael you get away with it but if he was you know, if he was, let's just say, uh, Luke Longley, you know, it was yeah. like, bro, we're going to throw you into the exactly. you know, witchcraft you're, because you, you're in the you should be doing it. Now. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's just, wild, it's, we all know, and we've been, we've been, we've played sports for a long time. We know from time to time when certain players are better than other players, mm-hmm. they get a little, at least gets a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So the thing with Jordan and Rodman, both live different types of lifestyles. But they both got the job done at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Their leashes were very long. Leashes very long. <laughs> very, very long. So, but they were able to get the job done yeah. when the time it was necessary yeah. to get the job done. That's credit to Phil. Big so, Phil. of course, going back to, of course, Utah, the Utah game, uh, the quote-unquote the flu game, what we thought was the flu game actually became the food poisoning game. Yeah. How do you feel about that? It's hearing that situation. Have you ever heard anything about that? No, but that is so ruthless from that uh, pizza place. So ruthless. I, I like wonder what happened to that food place. Like, did they get sued or are they in business still? Like, where are those guys now? And like, how do they feel like <laughs> now watching this? Like, hey, if, you, if you're checking that. into and the it show, still didn't work. <laughs> yeah, if you're checking in the show, you if you're in Utah, you're watching this right now, or Man. California. If, if anybody knows something that we don't know, please let us know because yeah. y'all file. <laughs> hey, I, I, that, wow. the the real the real, of course, point you know question mark that you see when you have four or five delivery guys come up to drop off a pizza. This is not a police you know yeah. pullover where you have six cops for you know for one person. It's a setup. You, that's all I'm saying. Like, Immediately, why, it's a setup to me. Why why do you have five? But I, I guess I understand too that there's Michael Jordan. That maybe they knew Michael was there. Yeah, you know, let's let's see if maybe we can get a glimpse. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess also at that time, you know, Jordan wasn't thinking about that. He just, hey, I'm hungry. I just need some type of food. 
And again, I'm just trying to figure out is why is why is there no food in the house? Like y'all, y'all ain't got no Roman noodles. No, nah, they said it was in Salt Lake City, and so it was the only place in Salt Lake City that yeah. was open. But I've been to downtown Salt Lake City. There's mm-hmm. plenty of places that are open, good places too. Well, this is so, this was twenty, this was fifteen years uh, ago. Yeah, so true. I mean, so you I, know, yeah. twenty years ago. Maybe, maybe it was so. different back then, but. I mean, I don't understand why the hotel didn't have food or, or things like that. If the Chicago Bulls are playing in a, a finals game, they should definitely have accommodations, don't you think? Well, but times I'll, are different. So no, not just that. I'll say this: I've heard plenty of sports stories, and again, if you are watching right now and you want to make a comment, either on YouTube, either on my comments on Facebook, if you're watching in, I know plenty of stories from football, basketball, and baseball. If you go into the visiting team city. There are some cities that are ruthless. And again, if you are mm-hmm. watching, comment when it comes to Boston, yeah. Kansas City, yeah. LA, uh, Dallas, um, Chicago does it as well. They won't serve you. I mean, it's oh, they just they, get they'll, they'll, so much. I know in Boston, they'll go in and and um turn on fire alarms or whatnot. If you, they'll, they'll find out the hotel you're sleeping in, turn on fire alarms where you don't sleep all night. Nah, that's um uh, of course, you know, like I said, when it comes to food, when it just comes to all these different mind games. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a mind game. Trying to find an edge. Exactly. I mean, that little bit of edge over there. Exactly. Man. So that's, hey, that's that's crazy when it when it comes to sports like that. Now, but food poisoning, though, man, that's a that's a bit excessive. That, that is a bit overboard. No. Hey, they poisoned the old dude from all Alabama poisoned Auburn's tree. Oh, I can't yeah. remember his name right now, but he poisoned <laughs> the tree, and you know. So I, I'll say it is when it comes to sports, people are crazy. Yeah, that is in true. a good and slash bad way, people are crazy. How, but like. How do you feel about it, like, an unraveling to becoming a food poisoning game? Because at first, it was the flu game. Then but, but I used to hear, mur- like, little murmurs talking about, oh, I heard Jordan was just hungover from yeah. partying. Yeah, yeah, yep. I've heard that story before. So mm-hmm. to debunk that as well and be like, no, all y'all are wrong. It was actually food poisoning. I actually was sick. I didn't have the flu, but I was dying. Yeah. How does, like, isn't it crazy, like, how all these years we've been hearing this, 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 and now finally we get the truth? Like Now, it's funny you say that, too, and just not to go left field, but Shaq actually just said the same thing about a couple hours ago. I don't know if you heard about Shaq. Shaq's been saying this rumor about uh, David Robertson didn't give him an autograph when he was a kid. Apparently, he lied about that for the last 20-some years Wow, just to, just to have this story. Yeah, it was on Bleacher Report. So, again, if you're watching, check out Bleacher Report. It's on Bleacher Report. And it, it, it talked to, and Shaq talked about he lied the whole time just, just, to, just to say <laughs> you know what he said. So, a lot of these stories mm-hmm. have been debunked from episode 1 to, to 10. Um, when it comes to, you know, the Rodman situation, mm-hmm. Scotty's contract, just whatever yeah. it is, good or bad, a lot of these, a lot of these questions that were in the air have been debunked. Yeah. A, a good light skin rapper once said, Uh-oh. if they don't have a story these days, they'll make one. Huh? Mer, mer, mer. I know. <laughs> I think I know. I think I know that light skin rapper. <laughs> now, any memories you have of the flu game? I know we talked about it before we came, before we came on the air. I just remember like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm trying to be a retired shoe head. So, of course, <laughs> I remember the uh, the Jordan 12s. They were uh, so iconic. And the fact that he, uh, I mean, the colorway was so smooth. And uh, the way that he just willed his way to, like, power through that game. all The whole thing was just iconic. I, I feel like everything Jordan does is just so iconic. And for him to do that, I feel like for him to wear those shoes, it shows it takes more than blood, sweat, and tears. It takes everything you've got just to win one game. You could have just sat out. But as you know, as we're taught as young men or even as you athletes, gotta period, you got to play through it. Play through and it. if you don't play through it, then you're considered you're, uh, you're considered weak. <laughs> you're weak. you're yeah. the weakest link and you're not cut out. for this. Yep. And so he, you got to go out there. And I think 
I love the the fact that he showed that toughness and maybe the kids get tougher these days, but these days we're getting more reasonable with the kids, but well, we're, I, it, it, we're, we're, we're the same age. I mean, we're around the same age. I think you're a couple years younger than me. Yeah. You know, so it's not like you four or five, five, six, no, seven no, no. years younger like than me to where it's yeah. like, we have a big age gap. You know, we've played through plenty of injuries in mm -hmm. our sporting career and whatnot. And that's one thing that people, I guess, in, I guess you say 40 years old and older, like to talk about people that are around 21 years old and younger, how soft they are, yeah. how they are like this, how they are like that. But they also like to talk about how far advanced in nutrition we are, right. how much we know when it comes to our bodies or how mm -hmm. we know um, how to rest or play different apps, play different sports. There's all these different things. It, it seems like even though those old heads back in the day were able to drink a beer before a game, because mm -hmm. Jordan talked about that. I smoked a cigar and I yeah. drank a couple of beers before shooting around. I did yeah. this and that. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is the right route? Do you want to, do you want people to be like LeBron and go the athletic route and don't, you know, drink heavily and drink wine and work out six times a day? Or is it okay and acceptable to smoke a cigar and, and drink whiskey and, you know, uh, I'm talking about in, even in the 50s where they were smoking cigarettes in the locker room. Yeah, you know they they consider those people real men. So yeah. we, what are real men? That's what I'm trying to figure. out. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> y'all confusing us. Y'all <laughs> you know, want us to be one way, then athletic. Y'all want us to be athletic gods. But you know, but the moment you drink a beer, you're like, hey, one of us. It's, yeah. it's cool. <laughs> so which 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 route do we take? Hey, I don't is know. there a right or wrong answer, or is it know. just it, it just depends on the the time that you're you're being raised? Like, which one is it? I think for the most part, to be completely honest, it has to do with where you come from. Okay. Because some people, again, if you come from, I ain't saying the hood, but I'm talking about if you come from the struggle, mm -hmm. that's the better, I guess, word we could say. When you come from have, not having not having everything at your disposal. Yeah, silver spoons. You have to work a little bit harder, yeah. build up some tougher skin, mm -hmm. and move through life a little bit differently compared to somebody that is able to have their life planned out a little bit, you know, in advance, a year out or two years out. You're able mm -hmm. to move a little bit differently. Right. And like I said, with, with, with the whole situation with Jordan, I, like I, said, I, I don't know, man. I just... <laughs> It's confusing, right? Yeah, it is confusing because, like, because, like, we're thinking deeper now. It, yeah, it just once you Again, get to that deep, a, thought, hey, that's another episode for another day. Yeah. I promise you, it can was, be. Once you get that deep, you start to like question a lot of things. Like, yeah. why was I taught this? Why was I taught that? Yeah, and, and how does that stack up now to my morality and with the things I believe in? And, and once you have offspring, once like, you have kids, exactly. How do you treat them? Yeah, and exactly. How do you teach them? Which route do you take? Exactly. Hmm. Now, one quote Scotty did say: "It said, no matter how sick he was, he's he's still the best player in the world." Hmm. Now, again, being able to be sick and be able to still put up a performance like he did in the flu game that just like we talked about before that just shows how great he was um to be able to will his way through whatever it was mm -hmm. to be able to put his team on the back on his back and win a championship a game a series whatever it was yeah it was in the finals so the stakes were pretty high and um i think it's funny i was on twitter and i saw this one guy uh, he tweeted uh he was like yeah uh, Jordan uh, gave me inspiration to fight through when I saw the flu game when I was younger. Uh, he, he played football. He was a receiver. I forget his name. Mm -hmm. He was like, so I went out there and uh, I had two catches, ah. 15 yards yeah. and a fumble and we lost. Yes. <laughs> so he was he like, it don't work for everybody. But he was like, man, I tried to, I tried to muscle up, but 
I messed up. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Andrew Hawkins. That's, that's what it was. That's talking about Andrew yeah, Hawkins. Yeah, shout out to him. If, if you are watching the show, go check out Andrew Hawkins <laughs> on his on his Twitter and whatnot because I did see that tweet as well. That was that, funny, was, man. that was when he was playing for the Bengals. He played a yeah. wild card game against the Texans. Like he said, he thought he thought he was going to have a great game, so he I mean I thought he was going to uh, get AJ Green sick, so he wanted to not be in the same room as him. Yep. And he said he wanted to muster through and have an MJ type of great game like MJ mm-hmm. did flu game wise. And he had two catches for 15 yards, and they lost. So <laughs> and the fumble, bro. And the fumble, my, yes, of course. Yeah, can't forget about the fumble. If, so, was, if it was on uh, fantasy football back then, yo, he's having a negative salt on the wound right there. Salt on the wound, but negative five points. We do appreciate the content, and, uh, yeah, Anthony. Sure. That was hilarious. We yeah, do appreciate that. that. Was... <laughs> now another quote as well. Did Jerry Sloan really not know that Michael Jordan was sick? Because at the end of that game, the press conference, they you know reporters asked Jerry Sloan. You know, how did he feel about Michael Jordan's performance while he was sick? And he said he didn't know he was sick. I don't know if that was a joking type of thing or mm-hmm. being sarcastic, but did he really not know? I'm going to go all the way left and just be the devil on this one and be like, I, I think he's lying. Because as a coach, you know who's not in the lineup. Like, they bring you injury reports, depth charts, that's, that's who's starting. Everybody knows. Okay. Even the players know. When you warm up, you give a glance to who's hurt or who's not, who ain't looking right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know. And for him to say that, oh, I didn't know. Everybody must have known. But man, everybody in the building knew that he looked a little off. You know what I mean? So okay, just I, I'm just gonna go left with that one. But I, he did say it real calm and convincing, like he didn't know. But I doubt it. Hey, I, I just I just wanted to make sure because I did you believe him? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Because <laughs> exactly. I'm over here like, come on, bro. Ain't you a Hall of Fame coach? Yeah, like you didn't know. Come that on, man. But that's another part of. That's what he was, I guess that was his side of trying to make sure that he coached his team. Yeah. To make sure that the media didn't blow it yeah. up bigger than it needed to be because, you know, they know. Yeah. The Jazz know. So you think you know, it was, he was more like on that um, focus on what we can focus on, focus on us, don't worry about them. Pretty much. Type of thing. That's all you could do. Yeah. I mean, there's one coach, way to go about coach, it. That's all you could do. But don't lie to, don't lie to the listeners and be like, oh, we didn't know. Well, as as the media, you know, when it comes to media, it's a lot easier to be able to be quiet on things so people can, you know, try to interpret things. This is a little bit off, but like, what's up? When we consider, when we talk about the media, are we considered the media now? I've honestly thought about that. Are I've, we considered I've, the media? I think we are a little bit. Oh, I think we are. So that doesn't, uh, I don't like that. But that's what, <laughs> that's, that's welcome to player transition. Yeah. Instead of being so a you player. Say, when you say the media, it automatically gets automatically, this bad yeah, image, bad, right? Yes. But. I'll say this as well. And again, if you are watching, I appreciate everybody that's watching on there on Facebook, YouTube, that's going to be watching this. When it comes to being the media, guess what you have now? You have an obligation and a right to be able to come out with your content and be able to put out what you want to put out as a media person. Right. So that's why what I'm doing, what I'm, what I'm doing, I don't have to be like ESPN. I don't have to be like yeah. Fox. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm trying to do. Right, right. So what I get to put out is everything that I want to do as an athlete myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Talk yes. Him, bro. <laughs> so, yes, you know, I might be the media, but yeah. I'm not. We're the good guys, though. You know, <laughs> but, but I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm going to pump your head up. That's not what we're trying to yeah. do. We're trying to spit, we're trying to spit the truth mm-hmm. and let you know how it is on our, you know, our side, our perspective. Right. And keep moving from there. If you don't like it, you ain't got to tune in. Nobody's forcing you, you know, <laughs> Thanks, to tune bro. in. But, uh, you know, if you do like it, I definitely love it. I love the support and I appreciate everybody. Mm-hmm. And and let make sure, you you know, tell somebody else that's out there listening and, and check out the show. Absolutely. So, I'm um, bad to go left. No, you're bit. great. No, we do. <laughs> now, another little topic, you know, not to go left, but 
they definitely did touch into Steve Kerr's background. And I don't know if you knew about his background like that with his dad, but I didn't know. Um, how do you feel about uh, Steve Kerr's and, and how he was built as a person? It's definitely changed my perception of him. Absolutely. Um, at first, I just thought that he was this lucky guy that just kept getting the luck of the Irish. Everybody with the, with the Warriors. Everybody inherited. Spurs, yeah, yeah, the Spurs, Spurs. Everything. It just felt like everything just kept lining up so perfectly. But then, like, when you get this this uh, flashback into his life and you see what, what he went through, like, you saw his baby, like, his baby pictures or his, like, little school pictures, did not look like a basketball player at all. He just looked like some little silly kid, kid with a bowl cut that we would see at Aragon or something like that. But he just didn't look, like, any, <laughs> didn't look like anything that was, like, to be scared of. Yeah. But to hear his, his story and, like, his family and what they went through with his dad and the things his dad – I think his dad was a very admirable person to, yeah. to do what he did oh, yeah, and to put himself in that in type of situation. Dance, yeah. yeah, but to see all that, to learn everything he went through, his path was amazing. And it actually made me, like – I ain't gonna lie to you. I got teary – I got, I get teary-eyed a little bit when I watch that type you're, of stuff. You're about, a dad now. That's yeah, yeah. I got, I, got, I got a dog. I'm <laughs> soft now, man. So um, I, I felt for him, man. I really did. And – um. It made me actually look back on the Warriors championships like, man, it hurt LeBron, but at least a good person got good things and good blessings. Yeah, and I also feel like when it that that's what history is about. We don't appreciate yeah, certain things until we go back and yeah. look at it and be like, man, I didn't know this or that. I didn't know yeah. this was going on. Da, da, da. And and to go into Steve Kerr's history a little bit more, more and to dive deep, like I talked about before, I think it built who Steve were Steve Kerr was to replace. John Paxton, mm-hmm. you know, for that second, you know, three-peat and whatnot, and, and to be that trustworthy guy, you know, we hear old heads all the time talk about if it wasn't for John Paxton and Steve Kerr, Michael Jordan wouldn't do this, wouldn't yeah. do that. That's, that's, that's probably true. Yeah, Nobody's yeah. denying that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Michael Jordan wouldn't have passed it to Steve Kerr if he didn't do what? If he didn't trust him. Yeah. If, he didn't, if he didn't feel like he was somebody that I can rely on mm-hmm. to take that big shot. Mm-hmm. And if you see it from a guy like Steve Kerr and John Paxson, both of them say we we appreciate that more that you trust us mm-hmm. than you know than me just taking a, any type of last second shot without you passing me the ball because yeah. that I, like Steve Kerr said he wasn't an emotional guy to reach mm-hmm. Jordan was but to be able to get that last second shot that Steve Kerr was able to make that for for Steve Kerr was. The, the the best thing that could ever happen to the relationship. Yeah, especially since he said he was playing bad and things like that. He wasn't having his best like finals performance, and then he still trusted him, and he caught the ball and let it fly, and, and that's just amazing. It's amazing how things like that can come so full circle with sports. And his life went was a roller coaster ride, like most people's, and then he ended up in that moment and it came up big. What I really enjoyed was that they they said all this like the, the sad story, and then they got to like the game. And then the championship celebration, and now uh, he was like, "Oh, um, oh, Phil drew up a play, and uh, Michael oh, said yes. he couldn't handle it, yes, so yes. we're gonna put them all in Steve's yes, hands." The, and the championship uh, speech that, yeah, that Steve and he was gave like, "That's was my like, story, and I'm sticking to it." it. <laughs> I was like, "That's that's how you put an exclamation point on the story, right?" But there. again, also too, I think it just goes to show that, and I'm not saying because I just had a conversation with shout out to shout out to my uncle and shout out to my dad had a conversation. Prior to, and if you saw on Bleacher Report, they had a little picture of the 17, 2017 Warriors going up against the 98 Bulls. I'm not saying that Steve Kerr needs to coach the Warriors because apparently people feel like you could just put a banana in the coaching position and, and <laughs> anybody can win that with that team. But yeah. what Phil Jackson proved 
with the Bulls is that you might not you might not feel like Jack, Phil Jackson or Steve Kerr or Popovich is a great coach because they have great players. But as a coach, what do you need to do? You still have to manage those personalities. Mm-hmm. You still have to manage those human beings, mm-hmm. those individuals, to make sure that they are able to play at their highest peak, mm-hmm. no matter if the media feel like you're doing the wrong thing, the players feel like you're doing the wrong thing, the, the, the man, uh, management feel like you're doing the wrong thing. You have to do what you have to do as a coach if if people give you the opportunity because even with management, they didn't, they didn't give Phil 100% support beginning of that season. You know, it happened later on in the season, but beginning of the season, you can go 82-0 and zero and still get fired. Mm-hmm. And he was able to still say, F all y'all, we're going to go and win this championship and – and do and do what hasn't been done since is that's two yeah. three piece. So I know a lot. I know Steve Kerr might not get the credit for the Warriors in 2017, but you have to, you you have to recognize Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr is somebody that's been able to see greatness mm-hmm. from not just the Bulls, but like talk about with San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. So I felt like with the Warriors, they said, "Hey man, we need to put this guy in this role because he's seen this and that. He can mm-hmm. mold." Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and mm-hmm. of course bringing in Kevin Durant, and and make this into what it what it needs to be. And I feel like the Warriors to solidify all of them, they just have to win one more. Yeah. When everybody come back, because Clay gonna be healthy, Steph gonna be healthy. Who knows what happens in the draft? Yeah. If if they get all those pieces together, yeah. they can make a run of the run. Man, you made it. some great points there, man. I just gotta say that you made some real good points. Again, I don't play <laughs> basketball. I just no, but you I hit you hit the nail on the head. It, um. There's a lot of alpha males in in basketball. It's sports. Are, yeah, it, it's it, it basically even if guys are role players, guys become alpha males in a role player type of mindset. Like they'd be like trying to perfect that role, and so maybe coaching isn't always X's and O's. Mm-hmm. It becomes deeper. It becomes bigger. And when it comes to like managing personalities, that's much harder than drawing up a a hammer set to get it in the corner for a three ball. I mean that's that's much harder to get a hey, stop acting like that or hey you yell at this guy. And do this, it, that takes a lot. And for Steve Kerr to have Draymond in the room and, and then Steph, then Clay, those are three different guys right there. Then you add Iggy and you add Kevin Durant. Because that, that's, that's, that, that takes a lot of mental toughness to work through. When they had that documentary of the Warriors, it's going to be a fun documentary to watch as well because, be because <laughs> let's be real, that's that's dynasty could have easily stayed together. Draymond probably messed it up. And I'm a, I'll, I'll have no problem saying that. And who knows, I might be wrong. But Draymond is to me, I feel like is was the alpha male that drove KD out of there. Yeah. Even though he Draymond knows, KD knows, Steph knows, Clay knows that KD is the best player on that team. Yeah. I don't know what Draymond is, he's the fuss about or whatever it is, but maybe like we talked about, even his role playing ego, mm-hmm. maybe he feels like, well, I still need to get my touches and my this and that, and we really don't need you because we've already won before and this and that, da da da. Yeah. I feel like he maybe messed up what could have been what the Bulls was in the nineties, what the Warriors will be in this generation. He's gonna be Jerry Krause of that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Low he's key. the Jerry Krause. Loki. He's just not wearing the suit. He's in the jersey. Loki. I, I, I also I also agree with you, but I do also think that KD could have been a little bit tougher. And not it could have took it on the chin and been like it, it went about a different way. But it's easier said than done. Said that, that, and we're coming from this this viewpoint that we're but, having. But also as well, too, like we talked about, Jordan was, if you're watching the document, Jordan is isolated a lot of times when it comes to he doesn't have to see a lot of things. He might see one one TV channel because they got one TV. Now everything is on your phone. Mm-hmm. Katie looks at the phone, you're getting called a B word, mm-hmm. you know, a whole, a, a, this or that. 
mm-hmm. every time you turn on your phone, yeah. it, that gets mentally, that gets stressed, that gets stressful. Yeah. And I know, again, people want to say, oh, you can just turn your phone off. You can just do this. You can just do that. Yeah. Bro, when you're getting called certain things all the time, that's going to take a mental toll. And you just want to go out there and just do your job. Like people tell mm-hmm. athletes all the time, hey, you go out there and go do your yeah, job. Shut up and dribble. Exactly. Yeah. If that's what you're trying to do and people not allow you to do that, of course you're going to feel some type of way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're only human. They're only humans. They're not just because they're basketball players and they're high profile guys getting millions of dollars doesn't mean that they don't have feelings and things like that. I get it. Well, you know how it is. When people got money, you ain't supposed to have feelings. Yeah. You know how that goes. <laughs> but the old school quotes again. Yep. Old school quotes well, again. speaking of old school, the cool thing at the end of game seven, you saw the handshake between Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Yeah. How do you feel about that? That's respect. That's greatness on greatness, bro. That's res- I mean, that was Larry's first year, bro. That now, was his first year. I'm also talking about the quote, too. Yeah. Remember the quote? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, fuck you, you bitch. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. You know, my, my bad for the kids is out there listening. But, if you again, if you watch the documentary, you saw it on there. He, you know, Larry Bird, he knows he's seen this guy throughout his whole career playing, now coaching. And he knew that at the end of the day, if we cannot close him out in either game six or game seven, it's over. Like, we, he's mm-hmm. going to beat us. And, they, and he did. And like you said, that was the respect that Burr was paying to Michael Jordan. He wasn't mad. He was just like, man, you got me again. Mm-hmm. Like, dang it, you got me again. Well, he never beat, he's never beaten Bird. He's never beaten Bird in the playoffs, did he? Well, Bird got old and then that was a wrap. He didn't but, beat him. No, no, no. I ain't talking about my bad. I, I, about, I know, but that was like, I think that was Jordan's first time actually beating Bird in something significant, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes, correct. But what I mean by that, of course, when it comes to Bird, I meant as in he. When he took over the yeah. 90s. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In, the, in the Olympics or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Bird and Magic's era in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And Bird and again, Bird and Magic knew because we saw it in, I want to say episode five and six. He knew that he is the next guy. Yeah. So the next sheriff in town, right? The new sheriff in town. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when I think Bird, you know, coached the team, he probably felt like, ah, I can get him this time, mm-hmm. whatnot. And then, you know, he got it. that's that's kind of what I ended up okay, playing yeah, against yeah, each other wise. But yeah. that's kind of what I meant by that. Yeah. And then also the end game, I'm sorry, to end episode nine. If you watch that episode and all the episodes, MJ Life's plates were definitely on goat status. I know <laughs> yeah. we talked about it before. You probably didn't. You probably didn't really notice it, I but it. it had air on it on on episode nine. It had MJ twenty three. Had a jump man. Uh, uh, license plate on one of them. But you go back and go watch episode one to ten. Great license plates. Every every episode is a new car too. It's like a, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a black Porsche. Range it's got like a Hummer. It's, a, it's every it's different colors, different styles. He got the Corvette. And the, uh, one time the kid could jump out the car to get the article. Yeah, like, yeah, had the vet, did MJ yeah, own? yeah, yeah. He, he had to own at least about twenty cars. Well, let's let's be real. Some of them probably rented. Some of them probably given. You know, yeah. some dealerships they they just give you, hey, we want you to drive this just so everybody know you're driving from our dealership. Yeah, so, you know, those type of things too. But I take it. Oh yeah, I will as well. <laughs> so heading into game or after game three. What is the bigger story? The Jazz scoring 54 points in game three or Dennis Rodman skipping practice to join NWO on WCW? I think the bigger story, I'm going to go with uh, Dennis Rodman. Um, you're probably going to go the other way, but I'm going to go Dennis Rodman. Uh, in the 90s, you're definitely not skipping NWO in the 90s. Cause that's when wrestling was at its peak. And, uh, Great times. N- Great times. WCW. Uh, WWF was at full peak, so Woo! I understand that Dennis Rodman has an obligation to go. And it's just the finals and stuff like that, but he needs to be at his job. But I'm not missing that payday in WO in, in, in '98 like that either. What about you? What's what's bigger? 
Now, it's funny you say that. I guess you think I was going to go 54 points. Oh, I'm you def- Oh, I'm definitely My going. My man. No, I'm definitely going to Dennis Rodman. <laughs> never going to Dennis Rodman because, again, this is the era of no social media. Yeah. Like, for him to pull this off was first, it was off the chain for him to pull it off. And <laughs> if you don't know the, the background of it, I, got a, I saw a little tweet and it said, Rodman skipped the media session the day before game four of the 98 NBA finals and was fined $20,000. He instead was paid two hundred and fifty thousand plus use of a private jet to appear on WCW. <laughs> so Ron Harper, of course, one of the players for the Chicago Bulls, says when he returned, his teammate said, uh, "I think it makes him a pretty good businessman to be able to pull off something like that." Even though the media, of course, wanted to maybe tear down the Bulls and say, "You know, how are you able to control this guy?" But when you pull the la- the layers of the onions back and you see that man, I. Dennis Rodman was still able to come to the game and perform at a high level, and mm-hmm. he was able to make two, extra two hundred fifty thousand, or maybe two hundred and twenty after, after yeah. or two hundred thirty after the fine. But I mean, hey, that's not that's not too bad, not too shabby. I mean, he still he still ended up in green, like he still got positive. I mean, he got fined, but he still ended up in the green because he got paid for doing that type of stunt. And like you said earlier in the show, you you give that leash gets longer when you're able to go do things like that, still show up and perform. So. I mean, he already had proven that he could do those types of things. It's just the stage in which he decided to do it. It was just a little risky. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, back then, nobody knew that Dennis Rodman skipped until you're watching wrestling. You're like, what the? What is he doing here instead this is, of? This is, this is true. This <laughs> what, is true. what is he doing there? Like, and, that's crazy. And shout out to Greg Turner, you know, checking out the show. He said, Dennis Rodman is the creator of load management. <laughs> you know, uh, so I not Kawhi? Not Kawhi. Not Kawhi. So, you know, of course, <laughs> when, when when Dennis, Dennis, again, when it comes to history, we don't appreciate things until we go back and look at it. Yeah. But Dennis was a wild cat, man. Dennis was, was able to do some things that looking back on, he's like, hey, how are you able to get away with it? But him doing him was able to, for him to be the the GOAT rebounder of all time and, mm-hmm. just, and be the GOAT, one of the GOAT defenders of all time. And I think that goes that that shows everybody. Hey man, go if you whatever you're doing out there in the world, go do what you want to do at the highest level that you could possibly do it at. And yeah. who knows that can come out of it, no matter how people think or feel about you. Do you think that Dennis Rodman crawled so guys like Ron Artest could run? Of course. Like guys can actually come in and like just be themselves. Like like Shaq wasn't uh, he's a big personality. He's not like a just a, a wild personality, mm-hmm. but like he's able to be himself, be the diesel man and like market himself in a way that he could be himself and continue to produce. You think that Dennis Rodman kind of paved that way for like guys such like that? That's a great question. Oh, 100. That's a great question because it's not just, I mean, Dennis is, I'm sorry, of course, one of them, but of course we always talk about Michael. Everybody wants to be Michael, right? But we also have all these NBA legends that come before Michael and Michael had a quote saying that he doesn't like being called the GOAT because there's legends that come before him that feel like those guys are probably goats as well. Mm-hmm. That's also the same thing we could talk about with generational players mm-hmm. when it comes to we look at a, a player and say, hey, I want to be like this person. So now we're seeing offsprings of so-and-so in this generation or even, of course, in the next generation. Yeah. There's going to be a yeah. – I cannot wait for yeah. – there, there's going to be a defensive guy that's going to come in there and say, I don't care about points. They're going to care about you know this or that. I just care about get, drawing fouls, yeah. uh, getting rebounds, and making sure that – you know, Steph or Trey Young or or whoever it is can get an extra shot because that I know what my job is. Yeah, 
And as long as I do my job, you know, I can go out and go do whatever I want outside of the court. And yeah. I think a lot of people and you, you play basketball. A lot of a lot of shooters now are just turning straight or not even shoot. I'm sorry, all basketball players just turning straight shooters. It yeah. just seems like nobody wants to do the nitty gritty anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it's going right now, man. Evolution of the game. Evolution of the game. But somebody's also. We're gonna have to go back into the paint sooner or later. Yeah, we're gonna have to get back into the paint and gonna have to play a little bit more scrappier defense mm -hmm. to get those extra boards. And I just feel like there's gonna be another version of the worm sooner or later. I hope so because I think it's it's good for basketball, even for people that don't know much about basketball when they watch people like that play it, it brings them in so you 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 bring in more fans to the game so i, I like that type and of thing. you know what else it also does as well when it comes to people like rodman rodman don't get the course the same amount of credit as mj and pippen but rodman is the exact example when it comes to what a team needs yes sir that's the reason is the reason yes, why sir. a team cannot win with just scoring we're just facilitating. Got to have a little bit nasty. Got to have a little bit of grit. Got to have some defense. Got to have this or that. And that's why those pieces come into play, why certain teams are so great. The Lakers and the, the Philadelphia 76ers back in the day, the Celtics, everybody played a role. When yeah. you're able to understand that you need to play this certain role to win us, a, help us win a championship, I feel like that's when the team is able to be complete. Yeah, and teams definitely still have those types of guys in, in certain ways. Like the Miami Heat, they keep Udonis Haslam for his leadership yeah. and things like that. I remember when the uh, the Rockets used to continue to sign Corey Brewer over and over again. People like, why are you signing him and not giving Trevor a reason more money? But Corey Brewer used to come in and do all the dirty work. He used to, I, I seen him save a couple basketball games for the Rockets of pure hustle. He wasn't the greatest shooter or scorer or things like that, but he'd come in, he'd fly around and just do everything for you. Right? True. No, so true. every team keeps that type of guy. You know what I mean? Still, they just, it's not as in an extravagant way as Dennis Rodman was. No, I definitely agree. Definitely yeah. agree. And of course, nobody can have the same type of hair as, as Dennis. As oh, well. no, so never that's, again. That's, that's, that's that, never. <laughs> that 90s Bulls, man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of goat stuff going on there, man. From the cars to the fashion. We talked about that in the last episode, the 90s fashion. Yeah. Hashtag Jordan jeans. Man, hey, that's I hate a, his jeans. Oh my gosh, his everybody, pants getting, Hey, everybody so hates trash. him, but it seems like the more money he makes, the bigger those pants get. Oh so, my god, man, they're, they're awful though. Why can't why can't why somebody pants? with that much game on the court ain't got no game yeah. off the court when it comes to fashion? And then, like, you see him now when he's like shooting like practice shots in the Concord 11th and stuff, like he has on ankle socks and stuff, and like the big old shorts. I'm like, Jordan, bro, like you got all this gear, you come out with all this gear, we yes. buy your stuff. Yeah, I know you got drop fit clothing, go put some on, man. Come on. <laughs> That's that old school in them, baby. Yeah. Old school. All right. So speaking of, of course, MJ, that last last sequence, of course, with the Jazz, was it a push off? Yeah. Why do you feel that? Everybody pushes off. Everybody. Hey, everybody Every that was in the documentary saying that it was momentum. Why Bob Costas, Michael Jordan, he mm -hmm. said his momentum was making him go that way. Yeah. Okay. So even you can put it into every sport, bro. Especially basketball and football. When you come out of a break or something like that, you give a little love tap. When you come at the top of your break of your route, you give a little, you give the, the defender a little, uh, Refer just a little bit. Referees, if you're watching this, <laughs> I do everybody a, does I do it. Do a bro. little sham sham. <laughs> you can yeah. see it. Like when you really watch them, like the same thing with basketball, you give a little uh -uh. shoulder or yeah. you give a little chicken wing. Mm -hmm. James Harden get it right here so you can't see it. Mm -hmm. Everybody does a little something just back then. You give a little more, but Reggie had just pushed off the um the series he before did. that. No, and I'm happy that you brought that up. I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah, because that also goes and shows you the how much IQ is involved 
in huh. sports because to uh to regular viewers it might seem like oh you know that was that was a cool three point shot that he made blah 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 but in reality like they all they all knew a play was going to get drawn up they all knew where the ball was going mm -hmm. Reggie knew where the defensive wise was Mike Ward was going to be mm -hmm. so he said what I'm gonna put pressure on the referees mm -hmm. to make this call because mm -hmm. if you make this call then I you know you got me but. Most likely not because if we, and we watch, you know, you watch sports in the playoffs, they do swallow their whistle from time to time, yeah. depending on the circumstance, yeah. the game, and just, you know, what's going on in, in that game. And I respect the utmost of Reggie Miller knowing the situation that he's in and saying, I'm going to put that pressure on the referee to make this call. And like you said, literally pushing straight through his chest. Yeah. He and wasn't like it was like a forceful no, like yeah. lineman type of thing. But it he did a, he but, did enough to create separation. Yes, and like like you said, it's a art, it's a, a type of art to it because Jordan did a little push off and everything. But like we live in Houston, so we see the art every every all the time with Jordan James Harden. James Harden. Mm -hmm. It's an art to draw fouls like that. But like you said, the referees swallow their whistle. It's a different ball game once it hits those playoffs, and that's when you see him start to struggle because those mind games ain't really working. They just want to see you just get the bucket yep. outright. So that's when you start seeing him fall and stuff like that. No call. He's like, man, he was getting all that in the regular season, but it don't work in the playoffs. I think the great ones use that to their advantage, like, yeah. like Michael did. I mean, why not? And he said it. I think it was uh, episode nine. He said, Byron Russell, he plays defense on his toes. Yeah. So, of course, his it. momentum, he going to catch him slipping. He said, if I fake one way, he going to keep going the way if I drink back. So maybe it was a little push off. Maybe it was his momentum. Maybe it was a mixture. I think it was a mix, but and, as well as a push off. Well, again, if you are watching out there, um, if you are watching out there, let us know. Do you do you think it was a push off? Do you do you feel like it was a clean shot from Michael Jordan? You know, I I want to know. It was I a would... clean shot, not a clean move. Well, my bad, my bad. <laughs> you're, you're right. Let me correct myself. Was it a clean move by Michael Jordan? You know, <laughs> the world will never know. Hmm. So, also as well, how does Phil Jackson goat status look after the last dance? Big. I mean. Him, Belichick, uh, <laughs> I feel like he's in that type of realm now. Well, if it wasn't already confirmed, I mean, to know that he even continues on after this and goes for another three-peat with another team, like, that's 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 unheard of, bro. That's unheard of. Well, again, you're, you're somebody that plays basketball at the highest level. I know people that feel like it is easy to coach teams when you have a lot of the talent or you have all the talent. Mm -hmm. But we've seen before, a lot of times, even though you have talent, it does not necessarily mean that you will win. Yeah. So do I feel like, of course, talent helps? Of course. Yeah. Talent is always going to help you win in any sport that you play. But you still, at the end of the day, and what I feel like proved Phil Jackson, GOAT status in this documentary, is being able to allow these personalities to be themselves without having them get bigger than the game. Mm -hmm. And that right there is the beginning of what he was able to do with the Lakers. Of course, you know, he started off with, with of course the bulls and then he did it with the Lakers and do it in, to do it in LA as well. And win five more, I mean, it's, it's just hard to say, you know, Phil Jackson isn't a good coach. I mean, you, what are you talking about? Right. I mean, to, to say, I think the conversation has to be, is he greatest of all time or not? It's my not bad. even yeah, if, that's, if, there you go. if my he's bad. good yes. or not. It, it, he's definitely good. He's passed. There you go. Yes. He's great. But like like you said, it, it is saying something in, in a loud volume if you can control all those personalities, man. I'm talking about, like you said, 
from Rodman to this one to that one to Shaq and those guys. Also, at the end of the day, good players, great players, and players like that that know themselves and know that they're a bit much, they're going to go try to find a system that works for them and a coach that can handle all of that. And if Shaq and Kobe are going to get together, like I, Kobe know he a lot, Shaq know he a lot, I know a guy that can handle us, Phil Jackson. That's, that's trusting him to keep us, let, letting us be ourselves, but also keeping us on the right path. Like, you can look at it all the time. Like, just because you're in L.A. doesn't mean you're going to get the greatest coach. Like, it took a while for the Lakers to get... a while to get, get Frank Vogel. Yeah, yeah, but they wanted some other guy, some other guy, and some other guy because they got, we need the right guy to manage all this media and all these um, personalities. Frank Vogel was not a sexy pick, no. but he was the right pick, and I stood by him. I'm a Lakers fan, and I stood by him being the head coach where a lot of people wanted Jason Kidd to be the head coach, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, especially in the media, feel like, Jason Kidd is just there and wings in the waiting to become the head coach. But I just feel like that Jason Kidd is the right guy to be the assistant mm-hmm. to help LeBron or whoever it is that needs to be helped. And Frank Vogel has already been a head coach before with the Pacers. Yeah. Like we talked about before yeah, with the Pacers. Kind of circling around. Circling right? back around <laughs> when it comes to sports. Yes. And to be able to have that defensive mindset to bring it into LA. We know LeBron we know LeBron and company could put up 100 some points. That's not mm-hmm. the problem. The problem is making sure that we are able to make timely stops when it's necessary, mm-hmm. you know, in, in big game situations. Mm-hmm. And again, Frank Vogel might have been, have been a sexy pick, but he was the right pick mm-hmm. for the Lakers. And I think that with those Bulls teams and those Lakers teams, I think that even at that time you could say that Phil Jackson wasn't the sexy pick, but he absolutely was the right pick. And I, I'm totally he definitely wasn't a sexy pick. He, at he the was time. nobody no. knew who the he heck know he was. was. Yes, right. And like I, I agree with you. I'm of course I'm a now Lakers fan because of LeBron. So I go with LeBron. Hop goes. on the wagon. <laughs> Hop on it. I'm on LeBron's <laughs> wagon, not the Lakers <laughs> wagon. But um, I, I agree. And when it, especially when it comes to like those type of personalities that they show time, Lakers are back. You have to have the main focus at the, the top of each morning defense. You have to if you're gonna create championship basketball with all those star-studded uh, offensive-minded players. You have to have a defensive guy in their area at all times. Well, those Showtime Lakers, do you remember, of course, who that head coach was for the Showtime Lakers? Uh, was it Pat? Pat Riley. Yeah, Pat Riley. Pat, yeah. Pat Riley, when it comes to, hey, he was in the New York limelight as a player mm-hmm. playing with the Knicks, and then he was able to come in and control those – I'm not control them, but manage those personalities mm-hmm. in L.A. with Magic. Magic was the guy and whatnot, and, and to be able to win the rings there. And then, of course, you know, him moving to Miami and, and building the empire that he has out in Miami – you know, basketball is really it's really cool to see, like we talked about for full circle. It's cool to see some of these players go into management roles yeah. and become manager or GMs or whatnot, and and turn their product into what it is, mm-hmm. either in Miami, Dallas, LA, wherever it's at, and and just to see again, just to see, um, the the way some of these relationships, the way the relationships were, and to see them form and blossom. I guess we could talk about the Raptors with Masai Ujiri. Mm-hmm. I love him as a GM. So somebody else slept on, somebody that nobody knew of, and and then to see his body of work, uh, see his body of work finally on display yeah. winning last year, and probably could have been in the running again to at least go to back to the finals in the East. Yeah, you know that just shows how great he is as a general manager. Absolutely, absolutely, he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, especially for that big old gamble he took. That was big. No, I definitely agree, and also. They did. They did show in in the last dance of episode ten that Michael 
was asked if he was able if, if he would sign a one year deal, would he come back? And he said that he would come back. And everybody and he said he would try to bring everybody else back. The only person that would probably have a hard time coming back would be Scottie Pippen. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if the Bulls would have stayed together one more year, could they have won seven rings? Now, if you are tuning in, remember that ninety eight season was a lockout year. So the Spurs, it was the Spurs and the Knicks in 1999 in the NBA Finals. Now, we all know how Pat, um, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan has Patrick Ewing's number from college into the pros. Mm-hmm. Could the Bulls beat the Knicks and maybe, you know, play the Spurs and beat them for number seven? I, I'm definitely going to say yes. I mean, they were on a roll. They had three, and then the only thing Jordan haven't hasn't done yet was win four in a row. I mean, I definitely think he would have used that as fuel to the fire, because then that year that they played, that was Timmy D's rookie year, right? That's yes. when he won that first one, 99. Yes. Yeah, because that was D, uh, mm-hmm. Admiral's last Admiral, year. Mm-hmm. So the, the challenge would have been inside again, and that's, I mean, Jordan's a wing guy, and I definitely think they could have took that one. Now, the reason why, of course, I bring it up is because they were older. That was an older mm-hmm. Bulls team. After that season was over with, Pippen goes to the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, Jordan retires again for the second time before he comes back and plays for the Wizards. Uh, Steve Kerr is traded and uh, Rodman's traded. Mm-hmm. And of course, Phil Jackson uh, stepped out of spotlight for a year until he goes to the uh, coach for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So even though they did take a break as in a collective team, if they were able to say, let's just say, go on two weeks of vacation, come back, talk about it over again with each other as a collective group, Maybe they might have been able to muster it up something, but I just I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to see if they were able to have the gas because they talked about so much that that Utah series. I just feel like it just, it just drained them so much. Yeah, but I think if Scotty would have stayed, that could have helped because looking further down the line, Scotty was on that team that took those three Pete Lakers, um, the Blazers team. They almost beat them. They were up by like what 15 in the fourth, and then yeah, the Lakers made that crazy come, comeback, comeback and through the, the alley yep. and. That crazy yep. sequence happened. So Scotty still had something in the tank. He almost he went back to the finals, and he but he played fairly well here in Houston. He just getting his check, but everybody comes here to get paid. Yeah, but <laughs> well, I, I definitely think, especially Steve Kerr, won another one with the Spurs. So they still had something in the tank. I definitely think with the fear of everybody of Jordan and those and those Bulls, I think they could have did at least another run forward and could have won one. I, I give them I like, that. No, I like I like that. I like that take. I I didn't think about that. I definitely. Definitely could have, and and a fun little fun little fact. Ever since they've broken up their ninety uh, that nineties Bulls run, unfortunately, the Chicago Bulls have only won five playoff series mm-hmm. since nineteen ninety eight. So obviously, the rebuild has not worked. Yeah, in the Bulls' way that they thought it was going to work. They had they had D Rose. That was some good years. Jimmy yep. Butler. They, that's what years. they thought it was. You know, going to come back because yes. especially he was the youngest MVP, mm-hmm. but. They they kept running into LeBron to be fair yes. to them. That was they weren't in the first round. They so had, they were, man, they had a team. They had a squad. No, think, Noah and Boozer and you know those, yeah, those cats. Noah won the fifth player of the year. He was an All Star. Dane Gordon. Yeah. They had Heinrich was there. They yeah. had some good. They had a squad, teams. man. They just like you said, ran to LeBron. That's, 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 yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome to the NBA, that's, man. That's how, the, that's how the tide turns when the, the Bulls are just beating up on everybody, yeah. and then everybody's like, "Oh yeah, we got y'all exactly. now." Yeah. <laughs> so to pretty, pretty much wrap up everything, hey, episode one through ten. Uh, not just talking, of course, to you, Mackie, but everybody that's tuning in. If you're watching on Facebook and also on YouTube, 
How do you feel overall about this Chicago Bulls run in the 90s? Uh, I would say that was the they were the greatest team of that decade. Uh, probably one of the greatest teams. Definitely top two teams ever. I would probably say they were the best team. I, it's kind of hard for me to to debate against that, that Warriors team because talented-wise and on paper, they look so good. And I don't know if anybody can stop KD. Slim Reaper. I was going to say same. Slim Reaper. I, LeBron, LeBron has trouble with him, bro, and that's my favorite. But KD's just simply unguardable. So I, I, I put a healthy KD against pretty much anybody except for like 2012 LeBron. Now, I'm not going to lie. I would love to see that matchup with him and Robin. For sure. Just to see what Robin would do to get under KD's skin. Because you saw what he was doing with Carl Malone. Yeah. Carl Malone is a big country dude. Like, Carl Malone is 265 solid. You feel me? So (laughs) Jump shot. (laughs) So, you know, KD, you know, maybe he pulls him back out to to the, you know, three-point line where he busts a couple threes on him. And then he's able to, now he's able to have that space to drive in on Rodman. You know, I don't know if Rodman, it it seems like he's, he's, he's agile enough to stay with him and stay in front of him. Yeah. You know, so again, I I would love to see that matchup. You don't have to put Scotty on KD, man. And you're going to have to, you have to put Jordan on Clay because Clay's going to guard Jordan. Okay. So Rodman's on Draymond. It's going to have to be. And then Iggy or whoever they're going to have has to be in that other spot. It's not going to work, but. I definitely think, but after watching this, I definitely think the 90s Bulls, what they did for basketball, mm. for culture, yes. bringing all that stuff and mixing them all together. Uh, big ups to Jordan because he started with his shoes and everything. But they just, how they revolutionized the game and how a team looks and how they act and uh, yes. the winning culture and all, everything that's going on around them still being able to brush it to the side and uh, coming together and still being successful. And for that's that tough. one ultimate goal, and that's a championship. Yeah. No matter what was going on all around them, they were able to focus on that one thing. And, of course, that was raising that Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah. And David Stern said in that last episode, before the Bulls came onto the scene, the NBA were in 80 countries. After that run was over, they were in 235 countries. Yeah. So, again, that just goes to show you the global impact that the Chicago Bulls were able to put on for not just Chicago, but for the world. Yeah. And, and it, again, it helped, it helped move the NBA to where it is now with, you know, with, with TV deals, with the money, with, mm-hmm. the, sh- with the shoes. It seems like yeah. everybody has a shoe deal uh, with, with just being able to – and then also, too, not, not just being a player – you know, I feel like as well, it, it also showed that you can be more than just a player. Absolutely. And I just think it was a great documentary, honestly. I, I, I agree with you. And I like, before you, I, I, I lose my track of thought. I like when David Stern said, um, when he's always presenting the Bulls something, especially Michael, he'll give it to him instead of saying congratulations. He'll say congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And he'll also say thank you. Like, thank you for doing all this and putting basketball on the map. Like, no, everybody put the basketball on the map, but like the way he globalized it, he says, like, thank you. Because, I mean, he really did do what well, he, he also said. He also said thank you to the Devin Stern probably getting that little hey, check two from that exactly, too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's like, thank you for blessing my pocket. Yes, yes. He probably was saying that as well. But, yes, I, I definitely <laughs> agree on what you're talking about because David, I think David Stern, and David Stern gets a bad, sometimes to time gets a bad rap, especially yeah. for me. I, I'll, I'll be the first one. I'm a Lakers fan. I hate the whole veto trade. I hate I hate yeah. you, Phil. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah, kidding. No, but I, I hated that veto trade. But if you look at the overall – body of work that David Stern is, was able to do as a commissioner for the NBA. He did a hell of a job. Phenomenal. The only guy job. for the job. Same thing with Jerry Krause with the, with the, with the Bulls. Yeah. I had a bad rep. Even, but even though he brought six, him down. Hey, six rings, you know, it, 
And I don't know about the greatest GM of all time. They, they say the greatest GM in, in NBA. I don't know about that. We'll see. Time will yeah. tell. But for the 90s, of course. Let me ask you this, though. So. There was a great documentary. It, it, it was, I hate to see it end, even though you don't like the way it ended. What happens now? Like, what does ESPN backdoor with? Like, who do you what, – what 30 for 30 do you put on like, uh, for the people to, like, get – Yeah. Uh, uh, just to grab You're onto ready. now. Like, it has to be something else bigger. Yeah. Or no, as big, I should say. That's gonna yeah. be bigger, but like as big. It's, do you go to football? Do you go baseball? Do you like well, how, how do you how do you do this now? Well, you got I, our attention, you gotta keep it. I saw two things. I saw ESPN just recently on their on their Facebook page, they put up what team would you want to see documentary wise, and that's the Lakers. Of course, Kobe Shaq, Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. the Spurs in their era, the the Heatles. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, most recently with the with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we can't do a Warriors one right now. And time can't. time haven't settled in yet. Right. Heatles, not yet. Right. We can do the Spurs, but right now it's gonna be going from Jordan to the Spurs is gonna be boring. Yeah, let's be real. I think that's what that's what hurts the Spurs legacy altogether. Because it's boring. But they like, are y'all the- y'all did everything right. It's boring. We want y'all to have some controversy. Well, man, they are the most winningest trio. <laughs> like you talk are. about big threes, they always get overlooked. But what they did was was phenomenal, and yeah. everybody does not give them enough props. And I'm not I'm not the biggest Spurs fan, but I mean they played great basketball and they did it the right way. They did. <laughs> Shout out to Nick Dabler. What's up? Appreciate you What's for up, tuning boy, in. Boy. <laughs> Appreciate you tuning in. Um, I ain't seen my, that boy forever, man. <laughs> yeah, he out there in Nebraska. I'm sorry about that, man. Hey, uh, why are you up there for? He's going to shoot some hoops, though, out there. He's going to shoot some hoops. Going Husker land. Yeah, land. <laughs> um, my back. Can you run me back? My, I lost I lost train of thought. Oh, no, you're good. I was saying that uh, the, the Spurs, how they did yes. everything right. Yeah, my bad. So, instead of the Spurs, of course, I feel like definitely the Lakers. Yeah. Lakers are definitely have to be the next basketball-wise, have to be the next yeah. documentary. But... I also saw that somebody asked Emmitt Smith about a 90s Cowboys documentary. Mm. And from what Emmitt Smith said, he said, how do y'all not know that something is already in the works? Mm. So we shall wait and see. We don't know yet. But if you want to keep it 90s themes, that would be the great, that would be the best thing to do if you want to keep it 90s versions wise and, and go right to the Cowboys because they need that little boost right now as a Cowboys nation. So. I think it would be cool if I know if we're like talking basketball and stuff now, but I like all sports. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I like all sports, and I think that it would be cool if we could see the football side. I know you you would love to see that as well, even though it's the Cowgirls, and we don't really care about the Cowgirls, yeah, but you you appreciate greatness, sports, baby. I love it all. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I'm, I would love to see that. I mean, Emmitt Smith is arguably. <laughs> The greatest running back of all time. He got the stats to prove it, and depends that's who kinda, you ask. But yeah, yeah, it depends on who you ask. But I mean, he got the he got the numbers. But um, I would love to see that if it went to football or baseball or something like that, just to give all the sports some love and some insight into their greatness as well. Yeah, man. Honestly, I, I think it's I think what the ESPN saw after this whole situation of documentaries, they see probably how successful it was with this first one, and then also of course with the thirty for thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, you have thirty for thirties coming out as well. Um, I, I saw the home run chase with Mark McGuire and Sammy mm-hmm. Sosa that'll be coming Dope. out just during the summertime so you know espn they have nothing but content they, and they're going to be able to put out more and more content it's just um you know hey what's next we're gonna wait and see i, I want to see a, I want to see another miami hurricanes documentary oh, i know man. we already they've already done two of them but i want to see another one man. damn it so, i can't get enough of that that greatness because we love greatness we love witnessing the backstories yes. and things like that yes. you gotta nobody wants to see cleveland browns nobody <laughs> wants to see 0 16 come detroit on, lions man, nobody want to see that leave y'all asses in the gutter somewhere but 
You ruthless. I'm man. just, hey, I'm just being real. Nobody <laughs> want to look at y'all asses, take y'all ass somewhere. But they put them on hard knocks. That's what they put them on they hard. Mean. Get the hell out of here. How about that? <laughs> Shit. Anyway, my bad. I'm, anyway, we're going to finish up with this show. I appreciate you, Mac and McNair. <laughs> Appreciate I appreciate you, Maggie before we get off off me, topic man. and whatnot. I do oh, appreciate really? it. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Catch, catch us next time. Uh, the sports plug. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Stay blessed. All good.